I'm here with Chino Moya, writer director. I forget if you wrote it. I think you wrote it and directed. I, I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought of Under Gods, which is at Fantasia Festival right now. Uh, it's his debut feature, but not at all the first thing that first substantial work that you've made, uh, film wise huge career in commercials and music videos that are really like short films. The commercials are like, uh, you know, a whole world you create in 30 seconds. Really, really amazing. Anyway, it's a pleasure to connect and, and thank you. Hi. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's great. Great to connect. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I, I spent the I spent the morning watching a bunch of your I've seen a bunch of your work like here and there. Never realized like I never looked at your body of work together um, until today actually. But it's wild how much your visual aesthetic went into this film. I mean, your yeah. whole life, like yeah, yeah, you actually. Yeah, actually, right. I mean, I think being my first film, I just literally threw everything in it. Yeah, every every little thing that I've been exploring with videos, with stuff, every all these sort of universe of, or hints of a universe that I've been building in these short pieces right. with music videos, with commercials, Sally, especially I, I threw them all in 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 this my first feature film yeah what was the genesis of the idea kind of was it was it an amalgamation of of influences or was it like a central idea that you put things around how did it work i i think it was more it was both it was uh, i think it was thematically there was something i think i wanted to explore or talked about which was the idea of this failed utopias or failed societies and how this this thing that they well the so-called like white men have created that had imposed in the rest of the world had ultimately failed from the all the 20th century utopias all these fascist utopias the communist utopias to the then the neoliberal capitalist Utopia, which again was another creation of the white men and another something that is at least for some of us looks like it's, it's equally failing. And I think that was thematically kind of what it kind of glued everything together. And I think I realized whilst I was preparing the movie that the reason why I create all these different universe and all of that, they are all connected somehow with that idea, yeah, the idea sure. of, yeah. of the failed societies or the, the failed utopian societies. And then I, I just wanted to put them all in. I just wanted to have this communist Soviet apocalyptic <laughs> city and also these generic 21st century tower blocks and these 70s fairy tales central european city and so on the way of 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 putting everything in 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 one film i guess was creating all these series of of stories and and things and that that the audiences will go in and out as 
as they watch them. Yeah. There's a, so as you say, I, I, I wrote a note, like, as you say, you know, failed utopia, failed society, the way that you represent that as I, as I receive it, is through intimacy, through failed intimacy, through broken intimacy, broken masculinity. And your film goes back and forth kind of between the macro of watching, you know, they're like there's the two, the two drivers and then there's the, um, I don't even know what we call it, but it's sort of a butcher shop, you know, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but like there's, there's, there's scenes where there's like a lot of people, but most of the film, and we just get sort of like, quick glimpses of the of the larger world but most of your focus is on relationships it's it's like your you know like your short film it's it's in the bedroom it's broken relationships uh, yeah no no i'm glad you're saying that because it's exactly what i wanted that what i wanted to do and and in a way what what the movie is is about is is having this as you said, these glimpses of the macro, but then having the focus of, on the intimacy and how somehow this world that we've created is just not allowing us to communicate. We are so self-centered, so individualistic, so drawn into ourselves that we cannot see 360. We just have this kind of tunnel vision and we became so egocentric and egotistic and, and selfish that that is we are not we cannot relate to to one to the other people and that's in even and obviously relationships and families they are the ones that are suffering the most from 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 this this reality that we've created and, and the idea of the community and the idea of of uh, of the sense of yeah, the sense of community, the sense of family, the sense of, of long-lasting relationships is is completely impossible in in this sort of a highly individualistic kind of a money-driven world. And I think there's something about economy driving the world and economy being the most important thing in society and polit politicians they tend they talk a lot about the economy, but they don't talk enough about other things. And they, they seen all our worries they have to do with the economy, whether the stocks are up or down on unemployment, but then we don't talk about, is this, are we happy with this world? Is this structure of society that we've created, is it making us happy as, as people? Because we could have a lot of money, but money may not even make us happy. And I think, on how this 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 world that we've created is is just not allowing us to to be happy and, and we are constantly unsatisfied and we always want want things that we cannot achieve or we cannot attain and and that's this this constant constant aspiring of of things that we are not that are out of our reach that is causing us a lot of anxiety and unhappiness and loneliness and that loneliness is obviously something i'm always very interested in the loneliness is kind of the center of the film i think yeah all the um, characters yeah yeah um and being lonely living within a family and being lonely and being living in a city of millions of people and being lonely and i think 
I I remember. I mean, has not once. I I there was a friend of mine, a Russian friend. I asked her what I said. So what's the main difference? Like what what did your mother and your grandmother experience from like the transition from communism to to this sort of neoliberal sort of uh, kind of world of this kind of the, the new. Russia and the money and the capitalism and and one of the, and she said well it's, it's the sense of community the sense the things that they miss the most is the sense of community before all the doors were open all the all the neighbors were helping each other you could leave your kids with the neighbors in your tower block they, we we all operated as a community and now that that's gone and and in a way I think comment on neighbors you know the first the first third of your film the first act of your film is very much about you know who our neighbors are and how we treat them yeah yeah which as you yeah us and our neighbors is just yeah we've stopped neighbors are in a way almost our enemy these days yeah i mean they they treat almost i mean i would say it's the idealist way and then they you know something happens their idealism gets uh, you know punished yeah, no, totally, and and they are like the people that we we fear, and and we are constantly kind of protecting ourselves from from the outside, from this idea of the other, which is also very present. And obviously, as as you will said, the broken masculinity is one of the main main things, and those these men being threatened by everything, by everything that surrounds them, and 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 being threatened by other people, other genders, other people from other backgrounds and right. generations. Other capital or other difference, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, that's, I wanted to explore that and that idea of, of this, of this poor sort of human beings and these things that humans we are doing to ourselves, which still I find it very difficult to understand with all the resources, technology, knowledge that we have, feels that the world is, every day is, is uglier, every day is, is more miserable, every day is loneliness, more lonely. Why progress, like this whole crazy idea of progress, especially in the Western world, obviously in some other parts of the world, progress have brought... You're in London, right? London is... I've been in London for 15 years and, and I've seen this city becoming worse and worse every year. And there used to be an underground community of artists, of things. Now there's not such thing because they cannot pay the rent. So they either live very far outside the city or they move out of the city or they work for brands and instead of making their well, own. I wanted, okay, so as you were talking, I was like, I, this is kind of skipping like in where I thought that, where I would like, you know, steer the conversation, but like you are a very well-established commercial and music video director making your feature film, you know, your narrative feature film debut. How do you feel about your, all these ideas that you're talking about with, you know, capitalism and whatnot, like commercial directing? And, and, and I guess I say this coming from like, I, I've been there too. So I, I like hear you and I, and I relate a lot. So you're making, you're like crossing over to narrative. Like, how does that feel coming from commercials with the political and 
feelings that, that, that you know, the views and feelings that you have? Uh, well, at least here I can fully express myself. Right. Um, whilst the commercials, yeah, the ad commercials is just making propaganda. It's just, you're just trying to convince people to buy things that most of the times they don't need. And uh, so it's in a way it's doing pro propaganda for that, that system that, that I was talking about. And so it's, it's always a mix. There's there, there are a lot of mixed feelings about it and, and the ethical side of it is complex. I have to say, obviously I've, I, yeah, I've learned to make films through making commercials and they allowed me, I didn't go to film school, so I, they allowed me, I became a filmmaker thanks to commercials. I had great experiences and, and the people that work there, they are, there's a lot of open-minded people and, and interesting people, but, um, but yeah, like you're just doing propaganda for the, for this system, ultimately. And, and, and that was one of the good things about making a movie was that suddenly I could fully express myself and no one has any problems about certain points of view or certain views or certain um, ideas. And well, I hope they don't because the movie is not out yet. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but I, I, I think at least in film, they, yeah, like criticism is, is good and criticizing the, the system and the established establishment is, is normally okay. Uh, and commercials, obviously, they, they just need you to reinforce the idea that everything is fine, we are all okay, the life is great, your house is brilliant and you can even have more and, and you just need to work harder and, and, and buy more stuff. In that sense, have you seen your, because you make like dystopian commercials even, have yeah. you seen your commercial work as, as maybe a little bit of a rebellion with it? Like you're in the system and you're twisting the system? I've always tried to do a little like bit of fighting through ideas, even <laughs> when you're in the propaganda. Yes. I, I remember once I did a tampon commercial yeah. One of my very first commercials, and it was a tampon commercial. Um, for, and at the very end, there was this sort of the, the planet Earth turning and seen from space, but it was full of pink light because it was kind of something that the main target was kind of young girls, and it was a, a commercial targeted for young girls. Like there were some special tampons made for this kind of. Um, young girls basically. So everything was very, very pink and very happy and very, but at the end you see this world turning and there was, um, and, and there was these lights coming out from this different continent. And I was, I, I, I was in Iraq recently, right before doing that commercial, starting that, starting a documentary, which was completely the opposite. Wow. And, uh, so I end up like the main light on, in that planet Earth comes from <laughs> comes from Iraq. Obviously, no one in the agency or the client ever noticed, but 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 side there was this this thing and this kind of pink light like that beams into the space comes actually from from Iraq. So <laughs> um, there was one. Yeah, I think the best ever review I got from a commercial 
Um, and if I look it up, let me, uh, sorry, I, I have it. Uh, I'm just going to read you the headline because it was yeah, really cool. good. Uh, uh, it was, um, I did a commercial for a whiskey brand. It was really good. They what, gave the drum, me, the drum buoy one. Yeah. They oh, gave I loved me, it. Yeah. It was amazing. It was the, one of the best things I've ever, they gave me absolute freedom. The agency, the wild the brand, and they were really happy. They were not only happy with the process, but also when it finished, they were so happy that they took me out for lunch and they gave me this, this special drambui, like this special edition of... So they were, in general, it was amazing because they gave me total freedom, but they, they never had any problems. Um, and then the commercial team went around and, and one of the, the first day when it came out in one sort of advertising uh, thing, this uh, an article came out and, the, and it was called Dear God, save me from the monsters in the Drambui ad. And then it said, and then it was really good. And then it says, um, um, the message seems to be that Drambui is the favorite booth of those trapped in, in an existential hell from which there is no escape. Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> so what I got from it. <laughs> I'm glad I've managed to do a commercial that I got that review, but I think it's a one-off. Obviously, never again I got given a chance like that. Um, well, you think honest, after making a film like Under Gods that someone, and, and people knowing that you have the commercial background, you don't think something like that will come your way? I really hope. I really, yeah. really hope. I. I would think it would be more likely to come your way now. That, yeah. You know. The only thing is that I don't know how many commercials like that are, are out There's there. There's just not a lot that get made. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people who spend money to give anyone creative freedom and let them be, you know, uh, subversive. Yeah. No. And, and the darker the world becomes, and we are certainly living very dark times at the moment. Yeah. The, the happier the, the commercials. Exactly. It's so messed up. You know, I, I love, uh, I always like, you know, refer to David Lynch when I'll try to explain like myself, honestly, about he talks about darkness. You know, people are like, why are you so dark? You seem so happy, blah, blah, blah. He's like, my films are not dark. They're just represented. You know, they're just presentations of ideas. And for one, you can't have dark without, you know, you can't have light without dark. You can't understand the light without understanding the dark. It's just a spectrum. And also just like, we're just representing things that are, that are there. And, yeah. you know, if you want to represent some fantasy, some escapism, like that's something else. And that's great. I always, I always say like, yo, people need Netflix. People need their just like turn the thing on, watch something and go somewhere else. That's great. Cause especially when the world is, you know, challenging, but I think more importantly, we need the framing, we need the thought pieces that are distilling meaning from darkness that we experience, dissonance, discord, disparity. Yeah, totally, and I think uh, when, uh, when I was pitching this movie to the financiers uh, in the first, uh, early stages, in one of the key meetings, actually the most important meeting, the one that decided whether we're going to get the money or not, they told us towards the end of all the meeting went, went well and they asked me a lot of technical questions, all of that, all of that went, went very well. Um, 
And then at the very end said, but this movie is a bit hopeless. And so this is very, it's a kind of a very pessimistic. There's something quite negative about it. And then I said, I think pessimism is optimistic because I think if you do something that has, if you walk out thinking, wow, this was a bit, if I love depressing things, it's not that my movie is just depressing, I'm, I'm saying, but it's depressing a bit, so there's all sorts, but, but in general- feelings, you know, rather than calling it, for me, the way that I look at these things, they're feelings. It's yeah. not depressing feelings, they're feelings. Feelings, they're both yeah. feelings at the same time. When, I, when you watch your movie, like, people laugh also. Like, it's yeah, not no, exactly, <laughs> and, and that's, and then my feeling when, like, let's say George Orwell's 1984 is a very bleak book, but, or The Road by Cormac McCarthy, those books are quite bleak, but then after you watch them or you read them, what obviously what you don't want is to, to, to destroy the world. You want to help the world to become better. You want sure. the world to be, and my idea with this movie is like, if you, if you see a dystopian movie, any dystopian movies, hopefully what they, I think they do is they help people to understand that we are heading into this cliff and then that we are, that we should do something to help to make things better. And when you see something that everything is super happy, everyone is smiling, everyone is beautiful, and life is great, you walk out of the cinema thinking, oh, everything is fine, so I should just carry on with things as they are. But if you come out with a more challenging, with more challenging thoughts, you may think about your life and the direction of things that you may force yourself or, or, or challenge yourself to, to, to change things and to, to try to improve things. And, and I think we now really, really, really need to improve things because this is just, I don't think we are going, we are going to last very long as we are, as we, the world has- It's only going to accelerate. It's not, we're at a point where it's yeah. the development of whatever it is, good and bad, has, has uh, surpassed our ability to react. So we are just in a, con you know, con or not even sort of adjust. So we are in a constant state of reactivity. But so I just on your point of like, so I think something happens when you go into a cinema, you go into a dark room and your eyes are fixed on projected light in front of you. And then the projected light ends, goes down and it's dark again. And then you exit and more light is projected on you either outside or lights in a hallway of a theme, whatever it is, you know? And you, before you're seeing all those lights, before you watch the movie and you're interpreting those lights, then you go into the film and you're having these lights that are accompanied with all this meaning, all this understanding of the film. And then you come back out and you look at the same lights again that you looked at before watching the movie and you reinterpret these lights. I think that's art and that's, that's ideas, that's immersion, that's understanding. And if you, I don't think the movie's job is to uplift your mood or something like, like that's something else. That's a whole nother thing. I think the movie's job, the way that I look at it is to make you 
look at the same lights that you looked at before with a new understanding and perhaps make an adjustment and affect your actions toward a universe that you want to live in more. I totally agree. And I think good, especially the best movies and the great movies, that's what they do. And obviously, as, as you've mentioned before, David Lynch, like you, they completely, like you stuff seeing everything from all great directors. outside into the light after a David Lynch film. Yeah. Outside and it's like a new world. And you see like a picket fence and you see this a suburban house and say, like, oh, this is a nice and clean and suburban house. And you the actual street and it's like, oh, that reminds me. Oh, wow. Oh. Maybe there's, a, there's an ear somewhere hiding in, a, yeah, sure. in the grass or something. <laughs> or someone breathing some nitrox or something <laughs> behind one of these walls. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, totally. I, I think that's, 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 I think movies, they, they do, they definitely do, do that and great movies. Yeah. It feels that movies, they used to do more in the, or at least for me, they, they used to do more in the past that in the seventies was one of the best decades for movies doing that i think that's also just you know i i agree somewhat but i also i'm i'm 36 now and i understand so deeply that movies that came out i was born in 1984 movies that came out between 1980 and 1986 do something to me that yeah. other movies do not and that is not because 1980 to 1986 was this magical period where the best movies were ever made no that is because the life that I live is evocative of that time period. I have been shaped by it. And there's a certain amount of shaping that we get as human beings, I think. So the songs that I listen, there's this, there's this band, The Hold Steady, that the album came out when I was in college. And like, it's an okay album. I'm aware that this album is okay, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the best. <laughs> No, I because it came out when it came out for me. So I, I think that you know it resonates differently. No, in, in a way you're right because anything <laughs> that has been made when I was, if there's something, there's a decade that there's movies, everything that has been made when I was a kid. Yeah. Not only kids films, but in general, also I just is I love it. I love not only I I just. It, it's very evocative. They have a powerful um, ideas, meanings, not only movies, comic books and music. And oh my uh, God, comics, like if I read, I read a lot of comics. I love comics. And there are, I have a friend who's like deeper into it than me. And he will tell me certain comics are amazing. And I, and I think they're garbage. And I'm aware that it is because my taste evolved in comics around the comics that I read in a certain time period. Yeah. And I like comics that evoke that. And that's it. That's exactly. how I am. No, no, it's, it's, and, and I feel like I have this fixation from that, from that. Uh, Your period is, is what, do you know what time period in the 70s? Um, it's late. No, it's the very late. I have these six years that for me are the most magical years. That's funny. Yes. Mass media, 76 to 82. There you go. Oh, wow. Anything that is produced 
in 76 to 82. I love that you know that because because a lot of people when I tell them that I have those six years like they don't they like they don't I mean, you're, you're a filmmaker, like you thought about this. So most people don't realize like it, it, that, that's six years for some reason. Why? Like, I don't know what, I haven't explored why it's six years, but it's not 1979 and it's not 1987. Yeah, no, no. And for me, it's weird. Yeah, I don't, but I'm, I see anything, a movie, a comic book, an album, a piece of graphic design, a piece of clothes. And I just love it. It's just so pleasant to my eyes. Give me like some, something, give me what comes to mind across, you know, any media, film, comic, whatever, clothes that evoke that period for you. For, I mean, movies, uh, like, let's say, even something like Christian F, that, that German. Oh, man. Yeah, I just actually rewatched it, like, oh, over so quarantine. Good. Magic. Christian Effie film when I watched that's it. That's in my, that's 1981, I think. I think so, yeah. I, that's in my, I mean, we cross over on that one. That's a big one. Yeah. So, that's and I think that I jackets, The way they used leather and denim, I'm like, cool. Like, bathe me in that leather and denim. Like, the look the is like the, that film. Oh my God. Oh, the way they dress, the music, the haircuts. It's amazing. All these kids are amazing. The rooms, those buildings in Berlin, that sort of building. Just... Yes, the scene where they go to the rooftop. And oh, wow. like, That's I want to live on that rooftop. Yeah, and and they look over and they fall asleep. And like, some of them are high, some of them are just dreaming. And like, I want to live in that evening, in that night, forever. Like yeah. I have nostalgia for a time that I didn't I have, experience, you know. Like I have nostalgia for that. I feel that I was there, like shooting up heroin with those I'm guys. Those, I've never shot up heroin. I've never even. I've never done any of these things that are in this film. But I have nostalgia for it, and I want to. Yeah, no, it. me the same. It's like I have sat it. Like I have like a very. It, it just exactly does what I get. <laughs> I have a lot of nostalgia when I see Kristen F. And same, yeah, comic books like all these European sci-fi, com any Marvel comic book from the eighties, Spider-Man, yeah. eighty-one, on all the Frank Miller, all the Daredevil. I used to take the series in in the early eighties, Spider-Man's, like that. I would I would get them later, and because uh, I was I was born in eighty-four, but I got those, you know, that era, and I would. Um, I still have, my mom still has them. I would tape them. I'd get like, you know, the green horn, whatever like the, the series is, like the crossover or something. And I would tape, I would fold the covers back and tape them together. So I read, I read them like a volume. Oh, wow. And I used to do that. And, it, and it's funny that now I read, that's how I read comics because now they actually make them that way. They, I just buy oh. the, vo I never buy issues anymore. I buy volumes. <laughs> but yeah. I, I used but to do that. You your own sort of omnibus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I just love, yeah, I love, I love the, yeah, and all this Batman in the late 70s, Daredevil on the Frank Miller series. Like, Under Gods is very, is very like the darker version iterations of of batman there's a lot of batman in there i think especially the cool blues like there's certain batmans that have those cool blues it wasn't cinematic but it's comics you know what i i was pulling out a lot of uh, 
comic book, like comic book references to the crew, and they were like, oh, they are a lot of times. At one point, they were like, these are drawings. We're just looking, we're just looking at drawings. Just gave us some references about more like, like yeah, well, I just want to do this. I just want, I want, I want to recreate this, this, this. It's a Gotham City. I was feeling that you're trying to create. It's not you're not you're not trying to mimic the shot yeah. of some other cinematographer. You're trying to evoke the feeling that you had when you read that cool that 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 underdeveloped. It, there's no warmth in those comics. You know, it's it's very cool. It's very yeah. feral. Totally. There's there's these one there's lines. There's no curves. There's no you know all lines. exactly. Uh, exactly, and I, I, and, and I, I, we, I discuss a lot about. I saw a lot of images of Gotham you work City with lines. You don't. I, I know that you're aware. You work with geometric lines, like the digital witness video. Like, yeah. I, I don't need to ask you. Like I know that you are super. You tell your crew. I want the lines to be like this in my frame. Yeah, and to be honest, I a lot of times I try to be. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna find an angle that is not but I end up like always always going back to those lines I always go I, I don't know where it comes from I grew up in a tower block and from my tower block I, the view was another tower block and behind that tower what block eh? what city in Madrid Madrid is a city made out of tower blocks it's just tower blocks just it's a it's a gentle brutalist city but it's just tower blocks if you are poor, you live in a tower block, and if you're rich, you live in a tower block. You just wow. live in a better and a worse tower block. But like rich people, home, yeah. And so it's all tower blocks, and so all my friends lived in tower blocks, and they were all sixties, seventies tower blocks. Like, and all all I all I saw from my window so was saw the tower blocks. This, yeah, yeah. And all those little windows and right. the lines and everything was really kind of squared and all the everything was was and everything fits really... into its place. There's a place yeah. made for it and it fit into it. Exactly. And so I, I have this sort of thing about about these these concrete buildings and these things and things that are quite square and geometric and, and I guess maybe probably comes from that. Come comes from I from my elevator going every time I have to go to my house, I have to go in and out through an elevator and there was this right. big corridor. Yeah. And there's a long corridor looking at the other side of the tower block where there, there was another elevator and it was quite cool. It was a really nice perspective. There was something eerie about it that I, I, I always liked. And, and some, it was eerie, but, but, some kind of familiar eeriness that I, I I like. My mom still lives there, so when I go when I go back to Madrid, I still walk through that corridor, and it's it's really interesting. It's a nice it's a nice it gives me a nice feeling. Other people like uh, my my ex my ex wife who's English. I think the first time I I took her to um, Madrid, she was a bit like, wow, this is a bit ugly. This um, this city, I was like, yeah, well, I, I never thought that way, but yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, you're right. This, this, this is not a very, but to me, it looks looks good, and that's why Christian F. All those buildings, all the, it remind me a lot to that that Madrid where I grew up. On that, it was 
that sense yeah, like here. Enough, you know, they're going in and down or in and up. They're in the, the only open space in the film is the metro station where there's pillars, but there's generally, there's action occurring around. Like, like she walks and people will come, there, there'll be something in this part of the frame and that part of the frame and she'll interact with the guy here, but then she'll go on a Z, you know, on, on, a, on a curved Z axis to the rest of the film is she enters, you know, venues or apartment complexes and either goes into a basement for a venue, for a music venue, or up to a home. And, and yeah. that's it. There's a lot of very condensed spaces where they shoot up in bathrooms and stuff like that. There's um, the, the boys stand outside the metro station under that canopy think, with yeah. all the pillars. It's like they're in cells. It's like, it's, it's like a red light district or a jail cell, and it's one after the next after the next. It's a lot of lines. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually went there to the zoo. Um, I mean, I've been like one day. One, I went to Berlin just to try to find exactly that oh, location, yeah. and it was yeah. There were there were no more kids shooting heroin, but uh, but there was a still. And you know, it's true. Like even her apartment in in the, in the movie is so tiny. It's when she just, sleeps with the 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 you know the boyfriend, they're in. It's three guys in this tiny tiny space. He just has a little mat little tiny mattress on the ground yeah there was, there was something some kind of little thing that we nicked in the movie um because they have a poster one of the, the room where they they all share and they all live there's a, a small poster on the wall but you don't there's never a close-up of it of of the Bader meinhof a black and white poster of the Bader meinhof and in the room of one of the Girls of Maria, the one of the characters of the movie. I wanted to have that same poster, uh, so we we end up doing it with the faces of some people from the crew from the art department. Oh. But we we apply the same black and white. They say so it looks pretty much the same. So it was a homage to that that Bader Meinhof poster that Chris, Christian F and her friends they have in this in this in this room. And yeah. But yeah, no, I, I love the, the spaces of, and how she, at the beginning, which I think is something that it completely nicked in, in transporting. Because at the beginning, she's just saying how everything is crap, how life is just so crap that you understand why like life is so- Why she does what she does. That then she needs to expand her consciousness, her mind, her being, in some way, and obviously heroin, it seems up. The first right? hour of the film offers a bunch of routes for that expansion that are all, in one way or another, kind of restricted for her. So she ends up where she ends up. Yeah, and also the idea that this 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 structure family, like the mom is a divorced mom which was one of the few, I also grew up with a single mom and, and we, were, we were at the beginning when I was very young, we were two people in my, in my, in my year, which is me and another girl. Then as, by the time I was a teenager, there were loads more and, and now I hardly, yeah. But, but it was the beginning of, 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 
of divorce becoming more widespread and this and families is breaking up and, and, and people living in these tiny flats with families that are not family any longer. And, and I think the movie captures that very well. And in a way, I tried in Undergods also to, to, to have a glimpse of that, of these, these, these families who got split up and, and single parents raising the kids and, and, and people growing up in this slightly soulless environments and, right. and stuff. I'm thinking about the, you know, the corridors in your film. Not, you know, cause you mentioned the word corridor. I think anyone who says the word corridor knows like, like automatically we're talking about last year at Marion Bad, The Shining, you know, all of those corridors. Both films that I love, actually. Right. Both, both <laughs> I, I know. I assume, yeah. Uh, what did you think about, you know, wh where does, what was your thing? Because your corridors in this film are specific. They're weird and they're all nuanced in their own specific ways. I don't know, wh wh where'd the corridors come in, how, in your head? I'm sure like, because of that corridor of my, of my mom's tower block, that's, a lot comes from that. Which one was that? Did you re did you reflect it in any particular? No, 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 Sally. A lot of because uh, I have to pitch the movie to a lot of people, and I have to make sense or, or kind of verbalize a lot of my visual ideas in order to communicate with investors, with crews, with everything. So I found it was massive. It was it was like going to therapy. It was definitely going to therapy, like making this movie. So I, I realized why I'm drawn into a lot of things. I, I'm, I realized why I like certain things visually, which a lot before I just did, they, I just did them. I, I liked them, but I never really fully thought why did, and, and through making the movie, because I have to verbalize those things. And yeah, definitely the corridors, absolutely comes from that and i think also the idea alice in wonderland was probably the book that influenced me more as a kid i was obsessed but also i was obsessed with wizard of oz is the first book i i've ever read and alice in wonderland was a book that was very important for me it's probably the most important book for me in my childhood and they all have this idea of this corridor this tunnel or this hall this this transitional space this space that that takes you to, to another world and that connects. And, and I think those, a lot of those corridors, they are these sort of transitional spaces and, and this, yeah, this sort of, obviously, I mean, maybe from a more, you know, say the word, the word is really stupid, maybe I'd say like a Freudian, Freudian. <laughs> Sort of. yeah, I, I know how you feel. But because in the in the now that I'm I'm just making this up right now, but because in the movie in the movie there's a lot of tower blocks, but also there's a lot of, there are a lot of corridors. So I guess there's a, a, a male and female versions of that of that of, of those kind of modern architecture. And I think that the, the the tall skyscrapers they have this more like male sort of and the corridors the they have more like a, so I don't, but, but yeah, definitely. There's what, what, as you said that, so I'm thinking about the, the first act again, where each time he goes through the corridor, 
he so the, the film for anyone listening that is you know hasn't seen it which is i think everyone uh it's made up of like uh, it's it's vignettes but all like in the same world it's not 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 like just like the same universe but like like the same like neighborhood almost but like the same city and they kind of connect between each other but there's there's distinct vignettes that are almost like short films within the film and and in the first one each time he goes through the corridor he things devolve when he arrives so he arrives back and and things get worse for him and as I think about that, I'm reminded actually, and this is whatever, like I'm, you know, I'm a huge, this is like, I'm a fan. It reminds me of what they say in Twin Peaks about when you go through Glastonbury Grove, which is like the transition area to the red room, to the other place. You, if you go through with imperfect courage, it will destroy you. And and it does. And he goes through, this corridor, he goes, he, he, he exits his home and then he returns to his home through the corridor each time with imperfect courage. He wants to fix this situation or whatever, but he's doing it in a way that is completely misguided. And every time he reenters more misguided, the situation devolves. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think I, I, I didn't, uh, yeah, it's, it's great that quote from um, from Twin Peaks because I I didn't um, I don't I I don't remember it, but uh, but obviously Twin Peaks. Oh, I mean, it's well, totally tangential. It's just a comparison. As, as well, had a massive um, impact on me when yeah. I grew up uh, because it was played on on Spanish TV and it was yeah. uh, and. Uh, but um, but yeah, no, it's definitely also there's something it's slightly. The, the, the journey of the hero and the stages of the journey of the hero and, and in this case these heroes they are they go through the, all those stages in the wrong always doing the wrong things and and again as you have mentioned every time they go from one stage to the next they do it in the wrong way and with this yeah and with the wrong type of courage as you say they 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 are full of fear, they are full of anxiety, these characters, they are so insecure that they can never get, and, and also those transitional space and those corridors, yeah, when they get to the next place or they, ha they get to the next challenge, they go there already kind of crippled. So things, right. they, they just get worse and worse, yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I, I love, but, but I love those, the idea of the, of the, yeah, and I guess, yeah, those books, they were great, Alice in Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz with the Tornado, which is another form of corridor. And suddenly how you suddenly, whoop, you are in this new, in this new place and then, and then you have your, you have to face new challenges and you have, you need to evolve and, and to improve yourself in in some way and obviously these all these characters is very much the opposite of what what happens to to dorothy and alice out there for sure yeah do you see so the the the, the analog that you're providing right now i'm thinking as you're uh, as you're applying it in your like blurb for the film it says europe in decline yeah is the analog that you're, you know, the meta that, that you're, that you're applying to this, is it specifically Europe? 
because you know we're talking about London also, which is which is kind of I I always consider it like its own thing, and you know is that different from the is 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 London is Europe? What about you know how, where does the rest of the world fit in for your application of these ideas? Um, in in the, the sense of funding gods, there was because there was a special focus on these on white men or the society built by white men and also. Um, Western societies, and um, so it was definitely something of the decline of Western societies, but also special focus on, on Europe. Obviously, when I started writing it or, or developing it, Europe was just in the middle of this terrible crisis, and and it, from which it never fully recovered, and there was this. A lot of existential kind of questions about about Europe and now and then Brexit on top of that happens halfway through the process of making this movie, which only reinforced the idea that the, this idea of this of, of Europe is just not and the solidarity or this idea of of, of they create of the brotherhood between between European countries is just not is just not a it was just almost like economic. It was an economic transaction rather than a, than a, than societies trying trying at least from the government point of view, and and the the movie in a way wanted to reflect that how how this this idea of of the of the Western society and the Western the dream of the of the of the the capitalist dream has has failed. It's true that I, um, um, the world where I grew up, people had more resources and, and money than, than now. Like that's when I grew up, all my friends, I had friends from all sorts of, of backgrounds. I have a lot of working class friends who lived in decent, and Spain was definitely not a rich country where I grew up. It's not, it's not now, but when I grew up it was even, even less. And everyone I knew had a, had a, they, all my working class friends, they live in an apartment. The family owned the apartment. And because in the past, a lot of time, now, like a lot of the, the, women they didn't used to work so there was this just one single member of the family bringing a, a working class salary to their homes and with that was enough to own a house to have a car to even have a second home in some village where they came from and now those people i'm sure they'll be the, the equivalent of that they'll be i don't live in spain anymore so i've lost track of a lot of but People now they have you. You have to and the, and the apartments were decent. Obviously. You're renting, a, you know, you're renting and you're not getting anything even close. Yeah, to and you're staring and you're not making ends meet and you may not make it to the end of the month and you you may don't have. I mean, obviously in, in America, as far as the noise, even more extreme. It's like people living in poverty, people who have a job. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I talk about this a lot lately, especially because of, you know, pandemic has really exacerbated and, and, and revealed this more than anything. Like, I do well, like, I, I, I'm, I had a big job at Apple in my life, like, 
I make money. I don't own anything. I rent, like I can barely rent a part, you know, I, I can barely pay for anything. And like, I do better than most of the people I hang out with. And my parents, like basically the generation before us, every, they own everything and we rent everything from them. So all the people that you're talking about bought things and now we rent from them. And yeah. you don't have the opportunity. Like there's nothing I'm about to get, I'm about to move and I'm getting a, a new house, but like I'm renting it and I couldn't afford to buy it if I wanted to. And I'm, I'm someone who should be like financially stable. Like I, I, I paid for, I can pay for to go make my short film that I want to make, which just got into a, a festival yesterday and I'm really excited about, yeah. but like, <laughs> I can't say what, but like, uh, they don't want me to yet, but, um, I'm psyched about it. Um, but, uh, so we're premiering it in October, but I could pay for that, but I can't pay for a house, like not even close. So I can spend like, I can spend 20 K on something once yeah. in a while, but like, that's not, we're, that's not, not, that's nothing. You know, like if you have disposable income under, if you have under $50,000 a year of disposable income, you are under a hundred thousand dollars a year of disposable income. Really? Like yeah. you're not buying, yeah. you're, you're not keeping anything. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't same. I'm, I've been renting for, yeah. I just, yeah. the idea of buying a house, like it's just not, not, a, not My parents a owned the place that I lived in when I was born in, in yeah. their twenties. They owned My it. it an amazing like, My parents the same. And as I was telling you, even like all these, Friends from every every friend that I had when I was a kid, all my working class friends, they owned the house. And there was something I went, there was some something called the Marxist festival or something like that that happens. I don't know if it's still going on, but it, it used to happen every year in, in London. There was a sort of a series of lectures and stuff of people of sort of left-leaning intellectuals, professors, etc. And I went there once. And there was some guy from um, from that used to belong to the Communist Party in Britain, and he so he, he was telling his story how in the sixties, like late sixties, he um, he went he came from a very working class background, and uh, north of England, and he was smart enough to go to college, and so he went to college, and when he went to college, he found out about communism. He didn't know at all that there was such thing as communism. So he found out about communism and he became a communist straight away, coming from a working class background. And then when he came back home that Christmas, or so like he said to his parents, his working class parents, how I just found out about this, how come you are not communists? You are working class, you should be communist. And they said, we grew up with nothing. We had nothing. We had barely anything to eat. And now we have a house, we have a TV, we have a car. Do you think you want us? To, do you think we would want to be communist if we've seen so much progress in our lives? Of course not. Like, because they've seen the lives, they, they, they improved massively, which is not the case. I think we picked 
we well, so it, yeah, it worked for a while. It worked for maybe yeah. a few generations, but then it stopped. Not ours. And yeah. I think we are, we are the first one because, yeah, we are the first in race. I go to my friend. I went, I went to the number three in, in America. It's ranked the number three, like, private school as far as, like, what colleges going to the Ivy Leagues, like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. So my yeah. school feeds the third most people to Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. Yeah. And I went to, I have, I have my, like, my friend is probably, you know, he was Forbes 30 under 30, like, straight up finance guy, like, no creative, just, just money. And he is, he's the most well known of my graduating class. He lives a few blocks away from me. And they have a, they have a, they have, you know, it's, it's a one bedroom apartment with like a, you know, a, a baby's room like an extra little like office slash baby's room, one bathroom and like a nice living room, like, like a big living room, but like, you know, just super regular home, like not nothing lavish, nothing like, like, don't get me wrong. They live beautifully, but like, I'm talking the richest person from my graduating class. We're now 36 go, coming from the, one of the biggest private schools in, in New York city. And he's living like, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. It's really nice, but it's just not, it's not like, holy shit. You wouldn't yeah. tour the place. It, and, and there's another guy who has, who, who just bought one of the, one of the most expensive houses in the Hamptons ever, apparently with his dad's money though. Yeah. Now, he's never worked a day in his life. Like, it, yeah. like there was like news stories about it. He spent like a hundred million dollars or something like that, but it's his wow. dad's money. Yeah. He didn't have any money. No, and the have... guy who's made his own money is living in a one bedroom in Chelsea yeah. and like doing fine, you know, but like, I don't know, the richest guy from my graduating class from a school that's supposed to breed the richest kids in the world. I, he should, he should be killing it. He should have a, bucket, yeah. you know, he should be buying that house in the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah. He should have some house in the Hamptons. Something. Yeah. He shouldn't yeah. have to go get a hotel room in the Hamptons. Um, it's, it's crazy when, how we go. Who's going to buy houses in the Hamptons in 15 years? Um, yeah, someone from some black, like dark money. And some Saudi kind of, or Chinese or I don't yeah, know. Exactly, exactly. And that's, uh, no, it, it, no, it's, no, no. I have no, a house no. in the Hamptons. It's going to be my grandmother's house. She has a house yeah. in the Hamptons. And I'm good, but I'm, I'm not going to get it because someone else in my family is going to get it. I don't want it. But like, you know. But we've, we've, yeah, how many, how many people do we know that are sharing in the 30s, late 30s, 40s, sharing, sharing an apartment? Oh, I'm talking about the wealthiest person. Yeah, I'm talking about my graduating yeah. class, the one who's doing the best. I'm um, not, I didn't even mention the ones yeah. who are in, you know, in Bushwick, in like, like God bless Bushwick, but like, you know, people don't really want to live in Bushwick in three bedroom apartments that should be a one bedroom, you know, yeah. 800 square foot, three bedroom apartments when you're 36, like, yeah. And people with jobs, which is because it's full-time jobs, with good jobs, with people yeah. with decent jobs. They're speaking staring. on panels at conferences. Yeah. Google them. Giving TED talks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, living in a, yeah. No, I have a friend, he makes, he makes, I, I, he's one of the biggest music supervisors in the industry. He's, he's the head of, he's the head of music. He's the head of music at one of the biggest ad firms in the world, international. You've probably worked for him before. 
And I know, because we talked about it one day, he makes $110,000 a year. Wow. Like, which is, which is, yo, don't get me wrong, like great money. But like, not for the guy who's head of music at one of the biggest ad agencies in yeah. the world. No, exactly. And, and An executive. It's, it's crazy how they've, they've started cutting, 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 cutting. Prices going up, salaries going down. $110,000 is nothing in New York City. Yeah, crazy. You cannot no. eat out regularly. Yeah, no, no, I, I lived, you I lived out here and there. But even in New York, yeah, and I lived, I lived, I, I lived there like years ago, and um, and the same, like from, I used to live off Bedford Avenue. It was yeah. nothing. It was just a, a Puerto Rican. My side was South Second with Bedford, I think. It was now just, it's all gentrified. Yeah. Now there's a yeah. whole. Right now, there. now it's not even hip. It's not even the last. Now it's New now York. it's like. People who high state schools just, and stuff. now it's very regular and generic and like yeah, yeah. live there now like yeah yes. <laughs> but so, they pay yeah. so much money to live there yeah I think it's hip and I constantly wonder is like where because everything is so expensive like who's able to to afford these kind of things because no one that I know is able to afford anything but clearly there are a lot of stuff that is very expensive out there but so not really so what it actually looks like in reality is they take all those really huge, beautiful buildings. I, well, I think they're ugly as fuck. They're like, you know, under God's kinds of buildings. They're yeah. uh, buildings like Kent Avenue. Those buildings are, the apartments are like, you know, 300 square feet. They're tiny. They're terrible apartments. The, 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 there's, there's a thousand people living in those buildings. It's not like you're getting a floor. It's not like you're getting a, a corner. You're getting like, you know, a window. Like you look up there and you see all, you know, you see a thousand windows. There's no apartments with five windows. There's no, no it's windows. One one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I, I, a friend of mine recently bought an 800,000 pounds, which in dollars is 1.2 mil or one point. I don't know. It's, it's more than that. Yeah. Here in London, their place, man, is like, the the corridor talking about corridors they have a very undergoes corridor that connects all the apartments <laughs> they have this line on the floor but the line is so badly cut oh god that you could see that there's a layer of line on top of another layer of lino but you could see the joints they haven't been and and his apartment is so bad this is so for a million dollars yeah a million dollars yeah. that's a fortune yeah so for it's a not a fortune dollars, anymore sure but, but, but sounds like a million like sounds like something that it's and nothing it's, it's nothing so, you can get a studio it's, it's a scrap it's a studio it's just a one bed it's just not it's just it, it, a place it's that I don't, don't want to live like that so I'm, I'm i'm getting a i live in a three bedroom and i'm moving to another three bedroom but i couldn't buy so I'm, I'm renting and spending more on rent than I want to spend. I'm, I'm, but I'm moving to the beach and I'm getting a bunch of space and like, but buying it would be, would be impossible. Yeah. No, no. I need a loan or something. I don't know. And I'd rather take a loan out to go make a film, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy how this world, which again, that was something that I wanted to reflect and none the gods, it was not as present as I would have wanted to be in the movie, but maybe it's a good thing because maybe it will be too explicit. No, but yeah, this, this thing of everything being so low cost, being so cheap, 
everything is so yeah, uh, but those buildings that you were saying yeah like in in, in williamsburg now these 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 undercoats type of buildings that they've replaced the old ones they, they are exactly the same as the ones in my neighborhood here in in london they started knocking down nice old buildings and replacing them with this kind of glass steel and glass but really bad and when you get closer you see there's some kind oh, of they're disgusting plastic cladding yeah but really things that it's like okay what is the cheapest material um, let's like, buy this material because it's the cheapest they uh like they they make these things you know it's all it's all fake so they'll give you like these like wood chip countertop yeah. that are that look they, they, they put a layer over it that looks like marble but it's not marble it's no and yeah. yeah it's gross hudson yards is the worst i don't know if you if you know about hudson yards but that's like the the development on the west side of manhattan that is like the most ben wheatley under gods as yeah. in the world i think you know uh worse than asia there's nothing in asia as bad as hudson as soulless as hudson yards i think yeah, it's um, but it's crazy and um there's so many soulless buildings and there's more and more and more Madrid, Madrid, for example, when I grew up, there were this brutalist, uh, brutalist something else. But like, there was a sense of dignity. Yeah. There was a yeah. sense of dignity yeah. in the way the windows were built, in the way the spaces were laid out, in the size of the spaces. And again, even these working class friends of mine, they had really nice, nice, like very livable spaces. My mom's flat which is kind of a middle middle upper middle class but just yeah middle yeah middle upper class but yeah towards the middle it has these nice kind of wooden kind of parquet floors and and the way it, it was all made so the sun will will hit the building in certain times of the it was all all thought out and, and most places were thought out just and now it's just basically you get a computer and you design a computer. How can we make the most? How many apartments can we fit in this one single space? How can we make a tiny apartment be a and two bedroom? How do we make people? How do we surround this thing with interest so that people think that they need to accept this shitty existence in order to have access to something else? What yeah. are they buying access to by buying this apartment? And that is the fallacy that is the the disconnect that that is the the you know that's the um you know that's the sin of it all the williamsburg yeah. sin of it all that they created this mythology that they are packaging something that people should buy access to because it will make their lives better but the thing they are packaging isn't not only does it not exist in the form that they that they claim it to exist, but it is certainly not present where they claim it to be present. So people are buying access to a, a fantasy, you know, the hipster rock and roll, you know, TV on the radio, the strokes, whatever. And they're, um, those people are gone, but they were never existing in the form that it was never TV on the radio is, you know, that, that, that was like a cool Williamsburg band when Williamsburg was cool. Yeah, like, no, remember, um, yeah. TV on the radio was never meant for the people who are buying in Williamsburg right now, who are renting in Williamsburg right now, TV on the radio was never supposed to connect with those people. And by the time those people came around to wanting to connect with things like that, TV on the radio is long gone. 
So all you're getting is a bunch of third generation, you know, like posers and you're just hanging out with more of the same and going to Whole Foods and doing yeah. Foods. Yeah, no, no, I totally, and I know, I know a lot of people here who, who, who move to those and where I live is, is a mixture. This, this area, I live in this neighborhood called Dalston in, in. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. And it's a mix, now it's a mix. It's, it's all, uh, they're building more and more of, of those soulless. And I know, I know people who I think they have good taste or they, at least in things or they, and who are smart and they are, and they move to those and like, no, it's, it's great because everything is just more convenient. They use the word convenient or it's, it's great because it's new, it's clean and it's, it's easier to, to clean or it's easier to, everything is, the, the taps are brand new and the, the radiators and the heating is, is centralized. I don't know, it's kind of crap. And I look at this house like, but this looks, horrible this just looks like my idea of hell i just rather live in a squat that has a soul than to live in this kind of jg ballard kind of nightmare that is that right is, now i live in a cave so it's like you can kind of see it from from i can like, yeah like what my walls look like and uh it's like all right i have to flip it around to show you there's a waterfall like there's there's a there's a river in the floor right next to me, right, right here. Oh, wow. um, and there's a waterfall behind, but uh, I'm, I'm moving to the beach after uh, like next week, but I've been living in this like two story townhouse. That's like a cave. And I live here and I deal with a lot of inconvenience, not going to lie. Like it's a pain in the ass, this place, but I live here because it's, you know, it's, there's a soul, there's beauty here. It's just, it's like a work of art. Uh, it's all these curved, it's lots of curves. Lots of it, it, it's very Goya esque, I would say. You know, if you want to talk about, uh, to, you know, where you're from, um, yeah. And uh, I, I live here because because I have, I feel things here. Like I go to my backyard, and my backyard is like it's this weird. Uh, I actually I I finished a film the other day, uh, and and I put a line in the film. We shoot here. I wanted to do a film here before I left. And uh, I put a line in it where someone says, my backyard looks like stalker. And it does. It's like this weird greenery that's like kind of eerie and threatening, yeah. but it's green. And like, so that's like like the backyard that you can vaguely see up those steps. But yeah, oh, it's yeah. all this, you know, yeah. Um, we have this thought of Tarkovsky and- Exactly, it's stone, it's- it's stuff. water with uh -huh. this little moss of- some kind of exactly. I have a little pond like like at the bottom of the steps and it's very Tarkovsky-esque it's like it's like stagnant water like it shouldn't really be there it's like it's just it's weird it's it's kind of messy and it's just like it's 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 eerie and it, it makes me feel things and I'm just like cool to feel things like it's not perfect but I feel things here I wrote a book here I wrote a screenplay here like I just feel things here yeah, no, I'm the same. I live in, this is, um, I mean, you can, it's just, I mean, there's not much to. I, I like that door. That's cool. Yeah, that's a weird addition that they, but at least my obsession is always about the floors. I love the floor. Yeah. Wow. This thing is like laminated floors. No. Yeah. Like, no, that's a, uh, and this is an old army. There was a textile factory, then an old army barrack. And, and then in the 80s, they got permission to to turn them into living spaces, That's but cool. they were like an interesting community that, and then we are all, there's a little community here. It's a private muse and we all sort of know each other and, and they are, 
And it's not, yeah, same thing. It's like, uh, but like, as I said, I just rather live in a squat, like with nothing, with no electricity, with nothing. And then I spend all the summers, like my first, the first 20 summers of my life going with my dad in this house with no electricity and we have to pump the water with her. It was the best oh, wow. summers of my life. It Amazing, was just yes. So nice. It was in an island. Another that's a perfect example of all of this that we're talking about. But it, it's an island next to Ibiza called Formentera. I've heard it was a hippie 60s paradise. And then now it's an island only for billionaires. Oh, really? Okay, that's why. Um, so it went from that, and we had this, this house that cost nothing, and we, there was nothing. It was just like a piece of. Of, of just stone in the middle of this sort of stony landscape. It was so good, just, and didn't have any commodity. It was just, just pure, and, and I was so happy. And now all this, and this, yeah, these things that we, I, I fully don't, don't, don't understand why, but I guess, where is the appeal of, of that type of life? Why do people buy in, in, into those things and why are not, aware of the soullessness, soullessness, but not only that, but also what I'm sure they do to themselves and to their well-being and... and I think uh, I, I rant about it, like on my Insta, like why are people, there's, you know, when certain things happen and I'm like, why are, like, why do other people who have nothing to do with something? I've always thought, you know, just a very little micro of the macro that I don't want to be at a party that I'm not supposed to be at. Like people who yeah. want to get into things, you know, people who are like, like, you know, film festivals, film premieres and stuff like that. Like people who like try to get invites to Sundance premieres or parties. I'm like, why do you want it? Like they have limited amounts of tickets for, it's like really special. And like, wh why are you like trying to get into their film premiere? Like they should give the key grip more tickets, you know, like the key yeah. grip should get to invite his significant other. And so should the, PPA and the you know the whole team should be able to be there. Why, why do you want to be at this thing? It's, you have nothing to do with it. Like, yeah, yeah no, exactly. Like, no, it's 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 exactly like that. Yeah, and, but it's, it's it's weird that we reach. Uh, there's there's definitely one something that I want to talk very strongly about in the in the movie, which was a misery and misery that is not financial just financial mystery but moral mystery spiritual mystery and how these people were very miserable from a cultural intellectual moral and aesthetic and aesthetically miserable and which is is extreme and i think that's something that we don't talk enough about and definitely politicians never even mention is like we like where I come from, the Spain, this has thousands of kilometers. The coast is really, it's a country surrounded by sea. Literally, I've, I've done it once because I was researching for a movie that I hope I'll, I'll make one day. I drove with my brother from Barcelona, which is sort of in the north of, in the, the northern, in the northern part of, of, of of the Mediterranean coast of Spain, all the way like 4,000 kilometers down to, to, to a southern 
point. I didn't do the whole thing, but just like we, we drove a thousand kilometers down and then up through this kind of perfect highway that they built. And we were stopping and spending the night in, I promise you there's not one square meter that is not crap. It's just low cost, low cost, low cost buildings and architectures, only junk food, only crappy shopping center, but really, really cheap. It's, it's something done to cater the cheapest tourism in the world and especially from Europe. And it's a thousand, a country which I, I grew up, when I was born, the country was already like that. So I don't, I haven't seen it changing, right. but I'm sure when I was born was already like that. And it's, it's almost a no man's land. Like in Spain, a lot of people, they just don't go to the coast just because it's a no man's I land. Love the, I love the water. That sucks. And man. it's, and they don't go, they go to the Balearic Island, like certain people, or they go because the coast is, is just skyscrapers by the sea. And wow. hordes of cheap tourism is, and the architecture is so, they destroy like thousands of kilometers of what I'm sure it was like a beautiful coast sometimes in yeah. the mid 20th century. And they've replaced it with the cheapest of the cheapest. I mean, that's like if we go, you know, there was a time, so I spent the whole year in Mexico pretty much. I just got back this month and there was a moment in the beginning of quarantine where it was like, should I go to Miami? Cause I, I wanted to be by the ocean. I, I was not feeling well in the winter and I needed like ocean air. Um, so it was like, should I go to Miami? And I just, I, I was in this beautiful place on the Western coast called Correas and, um, I was in this like beautiful architectural house on a beach that was at my feet, you know, at the feet of my, of my steps versus like, if I go to Miami in America, you know, in, in the United States and I'm like in some apartment, you know, I'm in like a, a one bedroom apartment in like a tall building. Uh, like it's horrible. The whole coast is like, like that's what that's kind of, it sounds like what you're talking about. It's all these tall buildings on the coast. Yeah. You, go, you go in an elevator, you know, you're on like 11, you're on like the 20th floor or something like that. You, you, you walk out your corridor, you know, and then you go in an elevator, then you go through a lobby with a doorman and then you go through like, I don't know, probably the street. And then like you walk, then eventually you get to the beach, like, and then you get to the ocean. That's how you want to go swimming. Like that's a horrible experience. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I was, I was just, just a, a few weeks ago, I saw some old friends from, from, from Madrid and sadly they told me about this, um, this guy we used to know who became a narco, but like a proper, like a full on narco. He made it into the news in the US. He was, he went from this being this little kid when I, I met, I met him to now like a very well known that had millions of dollars. He, um, and then he moved, he was living in Miami. He got, caught by the DEA in Miami. Now he's doing like 150 years in prison. <laughs> and he was someone of my age that came from this kind of working class neighborhood wow. from Madrid that like grew up into becoming this big kind of narco guy. And the guy, and there were pictures of where he was living. And he was living in this sort of $8 million <laughs> condo. And he was, the place was exactly as you are describing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a 2030 story apparently is one of the most exclusive buildings in Miami is like how with that 8 million how would you decide to live in that place overlooking 
other skyscrapers into this endless kind of concrete yeah. nightmare. So not it. Whenever I go to Miami, I stay either at, I have one friend who has a ridiculous penthouse. That's like, if you're going to have one of these places, he's at the top of like the nicest one, the biggest, the tallest one. And he has a saltwater pool and he has the corner and it's facing the ocean and it's fucking awesome. So I either stay there cause he's very rich and I respect his friendship <laughs> and, uh, or I get a boat and I stay on, I stay on a small boat because that feels better. Like if, if I go to Miami, I stay on a boat and I love doing it. I like Airbnb a boat. In yeah. The this is it's funny there's a movie that uh, i think it's a little bit underrated and because it's a bit of a spoof i don't know a lot of people didn't respond to it but i and I, when i watch it i already i've seen it already knowing that they, no one liked it or a lot of people which is a, a beach bum the um, oh it's beautiful i mean it's a it's in I my love that movie um, yeah, I mean, the cinematography, Benoit Deby is like, Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, the it's cinematography so in that film is incredible. Uh, uh, you know, you compare that to Spring Breakers and like Spring Breakers is, is cool and all. It's probably a better, you know, all around movie, but it's more enjoyable. But uh, Beach Bum is a gorgeous, like every, it's basically the way that I see that film is like, they didn't really give a shit. They were just like, let's make some beautiful scenes. And like every scene they just had rough ideas of what the movie yeah. was. And they were like, let's just make this scene fucking gorgeous. And that's it. It was so good. And then you could see the same is someone who at the end, he burns all the money. He's like, yeah. fuck it. I just, I'm just going to live in a boat and smoke this gigantic spliff. And this is much better just uh, that to have this, this kind of weird. Uh, yeah. And there was something, there was a philosophy in the movie. There was something that I, I really like i i enjoyed the movie a lot but it's a liberated I, film yeah and, and and i like and then i walk out thinking i should be more moondog and i went to see <laughs> with my brother he lives in montreal and we both walk out it was last summer and we were both like just as you exactly what you were saying before about seeing the world with from out of the movie and you're like oh wow like, what dog do yeah. So we walk out of the cinema Moondog and we're walking back. A character for anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great, and, and we were walking a bit like Moondog and we were <laughs> like, fuck, like we want, we want to be more Moondog. And since then, we, we still talk about it. I have a daughter and since I've seen the movie, I, I constantly tell my daughter, even though we live in London, we are beach bums. Don't forget, yeah. we are always, we are uh, beat bumps like and we don't I'm care. about the movie now because, because you're talking about it, yeah. And then if we can be barefoot, we are barefoot and we are friends with everyone. We don't care about a lot of things. And, and there's something about, about the philosophy, lifestyle that, that I love about, about that movie. I, I, everything else I love, I love too. But at the end, it's like, and since then it's like, I always kept that in mind. I need to be more Mundog. Yeah. And we all need to be more Mundog. And the world will be better if there'll be a lot of more Mundog. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to ask you, before, before we wrap, I want to ask you, like, it's sort of two parts. Um, you know, just like from other filmmakers listening, getting to Under Gods for you and how you see that pathway, what you learned maybe, on the way and now that it exists kind of like what 
you know, how do you feel it's about to premiere and what are the plans as, as much as you can, you know, I know it's, everything's up in the air, but like, I just, what are you feeling? Yeah. Like how about, about getting there and about right now. So getting there, uh, definitely there's something that I've learned because I tried to get movies off the ground before and I spent a decade trying to make a feature film on like all different projects and I never managed to get anything off the ground. I think also because I was busy doing commercials, all the things. So I wasn't fully, fully focusing on that. I was focusing on that, but I was also, so I was getting distracted. And there was a point after all these years of not making and the reason why I became a director is because I wanted to make a film that was like, one day I woke up, it's like, I need to make a movie. My, I just need to make a movie. When was that? That was seven years ago. Okay. So Around, and then, that was like right after the short. Yeah, okay. And then it was like, I need to make a movie. So then it was like, I started writing the script of Thunder Gods, not even knowing what was about is like, and now I'm going to write this movie and I'm going to make it. All my previous scripts, as soon as a couple of people said no, or I submitted to I, some application to get money, and as soon as I got a no or a couple of no's, I'll, okay, I'll put them, I'll sell them and I'll just start something else. And this time it's like, no, I'm just going to shoot my movie. I'm going to try to get money, but if I don't get the money, I'll use an iPhone, I'll use anything. I'll, I'll just, I just need to make a movie. And I think because I persevere so much and with my producer, I mean, we spent three years of people saying, no, 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 no. We don't want to put money into this. We don't. And we kept on banging on those, banging on those, always with the knowledge that if no one gives us anything, we'll sort it with our iPhones in our house. I don't know how. <coughs> and, um, and I think to that that will and to persevere so much is what finally gave us the money and finally we finally made this thing a reality because we always knew that and we carried on even even though everyone said no we carried on and and then that's how i think i if if i would have say after like a year of, of people saying no, I would be like, oh, okay, well, maybe let's try to do something else that maybe is easier. Like I would still be just making just commercials or music videos. So I think definitely it's just pushing, pushing till the end. And if you don't have money just to do it, and now the same is like, I, I just want to make a next movie and I want to make it regardless. Um, Are you there now? I'll Are you like, I want to make another one? I'm like, let's rock. Well, I'm writing now, but <coughs> but obviously it's, it's this world in which we don't know we don't know anymore where we are or what we can shoot or where. Right. So I'm writing something. I'm writing. I'm casting a feature right now, and it's 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 a ridiculous world. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> like then, a feature that I want to shoot right now, and it's like it's ridiculous. It's like big party scenes and stuff like that. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Oh, no, I don't mean it in that sense. I just mean the absurdity of like, like it's already really hard to make a movie as you. Yeah. You know? And like, I'm, I've been, I had a similar moment, you know, uh, it, it maybe wasn't the same way. I was like, cause I, I was maybe more, um, it was like less of a straight line. Like I kind of like, I made films when I was young and then I, 
pivoted to music and then I like came back to film. But since I like came back to film, I like really, I just like fucking did it. And when I came back, I had what basically like I had woken up the way that you woke up that day and like I was in it and I haven't stopped since then. Um, so like I literally did the iPhone movie two years ago this year I did the, um, like it was really hard. I didn't have enough of anything. Nothing was, you know, I did a ridiculous amount of prep and that was not even close to what we needed. You know, all of this, uh, my producer being like, dude, like, do you want to just push? Like, why don't we just, you know, what, like, why do you want to drive yourself crazy? Why don't we just push it a little bit? And every time that I said, no, we're fucking meeting, you know, we made our days, everyone's in, we're doing it. And, and we did it and it was, you know, I wanted to die a few times, uh, but the movie came out. I wanted to die in the edit more than I wanted to die on set because the edit's the worst part. I hate editing because um, it's like a death. But, um, yeah. but yeah, but I mean, we, we, I, we, I was on set and, I'm, you know, before, in pre-pro, I was like, no, we're making the fucking movie. In production, when a huge, huge, huge problem happened, I was like, no, we're, okay, pause for 30 seconds. Let me breathe. No, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to, okay, we're changing this and like we're moving. And then in the edit, it was like, okay, cool. I don't have my Warner that I thought we had. It's abandoned. We're done with that. We're making, a, we're cutting a movie, a great movie. And yeah, and now it's premiering uh, in October. Um, oh, wow. I can't wait. Let me know when, when it's possible. I'll send you, I'll send you I'll offline. Yeah, I, I don't want to say it on the show because like I'm no, exactly. really yeah, yeah, once, once, once like, you're allowed. You, exactly. I'll tell you when we get off. Um, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah. And that's, that's it. Like I didn't do that when I was younger, when I was younger, it was imperfect. Like I have another whole story about like, I, it was, I had a huge cast, but it was like imperfect and whatever. And I just like, I didn't get, you know, I had like seven out of 10 things, but I was waiting for those three and then I never did it. And that's exactly the problem I had. Like uh, when I was in my mid twenties, I didn't go to film school. I didn't. I spent the, my teenage and early twenties a bit, maybe partying a bit too much. So it was the time of the rave scene and all of that. And so it was, yeah. I got a bit lost in that. In that. And when I came out of that, I just wanted to make movies, but I didn't have any. I didn't even finish uni or anything. So it's like, how can I? Just FYI, as you know now, means nothing. Because I went to film yeah. school. I did all those things. I went to film school in high school and college, and it meant nothing. No, you know, I didn't. So then, but then I, 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 I have a camera, a computer, and Final Cut Pro. Yeah. I learned how to use Final Cut Pro. And then I started just learning just and after three or four movies homemade movies my fourth or fifth home movie it was already looking a little, a little bit better i was able to frame a bit better i was able to grade a bit i learned how to grade in final cut yeah. and then finally at one point it was kind of okay ish so i shop i went up and then i i tried to make a feature film and I saw 20 minutes on my own with this, this, this camera. And, and then I tried to pitch it to film people to try to get the money to finish it. 
And instead of that, someone from another agency saw it. Like, oh, this looks cool. Do you want to do commercials? I was like, yes, of course. And then literally within a week, I was shooting my first commercial. Wow. And that was it for, for a decade. Whilst if I would that have... With DJ, basically. Yeah. And that inst if instead of that, I would have finished the movie with the same means, with the same kind of just as a one-man screw as I was, maybe the movie would have been perfect. Maybe it would have been I don't a know if you lived a lot. You lived a lot in your commercials. You developed a craft around it. You developed a, you know, a, a, a universe. I, I personally, I think I dodged a bullet. I think, and, and what's crazy is I have the same casting director casting in my movie now who was going to cast it back then. I found the email from 10 years ago. I was a kid and I sent him a script that was in three parts. It's funny, we both wrote like three part kind of movies. Uh, my features in three parts also. And, um, and he's casting it now, but he's casting it now. Like before he was like being polite and responding to my email, this kid who's like, you know, but now he has seen the short and he's, you know, he knows what I'm doing and like he's, he's very gung-ho about it. Um, I don't think the movie that I was going to make back then would have been, would have worked. I just think I would have, I didn't have it. And I think I have it now. And it took learning how to do things in the world, being in the world and doing things for other people also, like jobs, commercials. Like I did content at Apple, you know, and like I needed to learn how to do that to go make my own movies. So I, I don't know. I think that like your commercials got you to a place craft-wise that yeah. you know how to make no. stuff. To be honest, that movie that I didn't finish, it would have been a piece of crap. Yeah. <laughs> I had this really amazing cast because I was young and I was like connected. But yeah. like that would have been a garbage movie, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, in a way, I think things always happen for, for a reason. I, and, and there's always a good time. Yeah, it, it took me a long time. And, and, and same, you're saying, 10 years. But, but yeah, some, some people I'm amazed, like PTA did the Boogie Nights when he was 27. Crazy, like, I think about that. How? Yeah. How? How? 27? How can you do this? But how can you be so tech? Not even... He made Hard Eight, like, first out of the first thing. Yeah. Like, how old was he when he did Hard Eight? Like, 24, 25? Like hard Eight just fucking works. Like, <laughs> it works. I'm, Good movie. I'm, I've only seen it really like yeah I I yeah I've only seen it I only saw it like a couple of, of years ago and it's it works it's like how can you make that but not even just from okay you're good like storyteller whatever great but full movie he's so technical on top of that because maybe you're a great storyteller when you but but movies also you need experience to be great there's a lot of technical issues that are just purely technical. Yeah. How can he be so good at like, or Citizen Kane, how do you just subvert like filmmaking, how do you- But it's not, you know, I, I grew up and I thought I was gonna be, uh, I was the wonderkind and whatever, and I just needed to live more. Like, yeah, I that think was my experience. Like, the film that I'm making right now, I think is the best fucking film of all time. Like I think about it that way, you know? And, but I don't think it would have been the best film of all time when I started. Like, I just, I think I needed to be alive longer and that was it. I think my case was the same. In my case, I needed more life experience, more like to live more, to, to go through stuff. To I don't know how stuff. I would have handled dealing with a crew, like a real crew. 
when yeah. I was in my early 20s because I never mm -hmm. did. I only had, I had my film collective and I had like my my people, you know, but like they weren't technicians. They didn't, we didn't really like, like I was shooting, they, they didn't know how to do things. And like, if I was going to work with a real crew, like it wasn't going to work out. Now I know how to talk, I know how to communicate with people. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's true that it, it takes, you know, Haneke did his first film when he was 47 or 48. I look at him. He's been yeah. going strong since then. Yeah, he's, he's best, beyond going strong. He's a master. Yeah. yeah. And then what happened with Orson Welles? He we all just get there how we get there. And just, yeah. you know, it's about living your life. And like, exactly. so, I mean, so you're there right now. You just made it. Like, how do you feel today? And I don't know if there's nothing really pointed. Just like, you're about to play the movie like for yeah so i um yeah it's, it's weird no I'm, I'm i'm excited it's weird that it's happening online which is so strange i'm gonna there. upload this like right away because it premieres tonight or tomorrow what? tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, no, it's sunday sunday okay sunday. so i'm gonna upload this right away so that people can have it in their in their thing william yeah yeah because it's so strange after all this work it's the it's a link that you yeah you click and you watch it at home, <laughs> but you know, maybe it's good. Maybe it's, maybe it's unique. Maybe next year, everything's going to be normal. And my movie will be part of this historical moment in which. Well, maybe we'll also cinema. have like, uh, maybe there'll be like Fantasia festival, you know, screenings at theaters when, when that can happen, you know, they'll yeah. be like, I watched it right behind you here. Let me see. I can turn around the thing for a second. Cause I watched it on a big screen. Hold on. Oh wait, my thing is so dangled. Let me see. Okay. Can you see? Yeah. Great. So I watched I'm it. On I'm glad you did. Yeah. I put, oh, I, I watched it at night with 12 foot screen. So. Oh, brilliant. No, I have this. This is, this is a blind, actually. Oh, I see it. Oh, cool. It's actually not even the screen. This is, this is a... Whatever, it does it, yeah. It's a blind, so it goes all the way. But it, it does it, yeah. Same thing, same uh, thing, yeah. And that's where, yeah. yeah. No, but I've been watching all the films from the festival on, on a big 12-foot screen, and, like, it's, it's pretty beautiful. Like, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that I have the ability to do that, but, like... Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. Like I went, I, w I was supposed to go to a drive-in last night and it got rained out. And instead we watched movies on, on this. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I missed the theatrical experience, but um, I went really, to I didn't see it on a big screen. That's really the most important part. I went to the cinema yesterday for, for the first time. Oh, you did? Whoa, tell me. I, I saw Tenet. Oh man, I'm jealous. Don't, 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 don't ruin it. No, no, let's. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was weird because it was, yeah, it was very empty. So they have this social, and it was it was it was sold out, but sold yeah. out obviously twenty five percent. Yeah, twenty five percent. So it's but it was sold out, and it was good. It was good to sit down. It was something a bit. Oh, is this right or is this wrong or am right. I doing? Is should I be here? Should I be not? But but I went there and at least I had a, I had experience. Yeah, and and you could see that a lot of people were needing experience so we i'd love to i'd love to i'm in new york and they won't let us but um i would love so there's to. no no theaters yet in, in not yet, no. still locked down no. but maybe i don't know i'm not i'm actually very conservative about it like i don't want them to open up but i, ju I just i want to go but like not at the expense of of health 
for other people. Yeah. No, I just, I it. Yeah. But if it opened, I would go, but I, I don't want to open. I'm exactly like you. It's like, I didn't want them to open because if they open, I'll go. And then yesterday, was like, is this right? I'm like, is this, is this okay? So that's here? where I'm at. I will, I will lobby for them to stay closed, but I want, I'll, I'll, I'll go if they're open. Yeah. No, no. That's exactly, exactly my point. Yeah. 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 So I end up, I end up going after like having a bit of a Nina. In a watch the Did you watch the Tom Cruise video? I, w I only saw a picture of him with this, this, this weird mask and, and... He's like, how do they recognize me without my mask? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tom Cruise. A lot of people don't, but I love him. I think he's great. He's, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, yeah. he's an in interesting character. Uh, 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 years ago, I, they opened this Scientology um, church in, in Madrid. And I, I would walk past and there's suddenly this massive, the streets were like police had called, like there was police all over, like they cut some streets. It was in the very center of the city, there was thousands of people. Or there was, I was like, what is this? And I know that it's this Tom Cruise is here. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously, uh, yeah, Tom Cruise, like whenever he, and the, Every, it was just this it's wild what happens around him. This is like riots. It was yeah. just like riots. It's people want to see to see Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It's a, yeah. It feels like he's an old friend. Like these actors that they've totally seen. Totally. Uh, you grew up with. It feels that you know them. That it's, yeah, it's, Daniel Day Lewis is like someone who teaches me things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this has been, I, I really appreciate you, you taking the time to do this. I love, it's a privilege of mine. Like, I, I just think as a, as a, as a human being, it's like particularly as a human being and also as a person who makes films, like talking to someone on the brink of like your premiere is just like, is so fucking cool. And like, I just, you know, that, that we get time to, that I get to have focused time with you right before you release this to the world. It's just like surreal to me. It's like the best way to get to know a person I can imagine. And I, I love, you know, this has been an awesome conversation beyond that, but like, it's just fucking awesome. Like, like, and uh, I love your film and it's been amazing talking to you about it. Yeah. No, thank you. And for me saying the after, I guess, yeah, it, it means it seems that it's such a, Sunday, the whole thing is happening, but nothing is happening physically. Exactly. I'm just gonna be at home, right? Just doing Zoom Q and A. But uh, but yeah, no, exactly. And it, it's, it's it's one of I guess it's a very important moment in my life, like now. Yeah, it's like last night I, I had the same thing. Like, like I like texted my mom, and she's like, "Oh, congrats!" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah." I guess it's like a thing, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but like I'm at home. To digest and and. Yeah. and because I don't know how I feel, but the, the reality is that it's, it's a very, very, very important moment of my life. Right. Yeah. It is. There'll um, be another yeah. one that'll be in a theater and there'll be people there. And you're, yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's still, it's, it's wonderful. And just understand that, you know, there's a lot of people all over the place who are going to experience it. And it's, and it feels so exciting to watch new movies just, you know, you know you, we both know this, like watching new movies in any way is totally, that's why like we even have Netflix, you know? Cause like, yeah. like we would just watch movies from the seventies and the eighties. Otherwise, like 
but there's something about watching a new film. So yeah. even though we're not getting it in the movie theater, even though we're alone when we're getting it, it's really fucking cool getting to watch a new movie made by a person who's alive right now, who's thinking about what we're experiencing right now. It's all connected in a very powerful way. So. Yeah, totally. No, no. And now, to be honest, I feel like want to. I, I've been watching some films from Fantasia as, as they gave, and, and I've enjoyed them. They're and, great. Like I, I have, I've been watching so many, and and I have like I have like four more today that I'm gonna watch. Like I'm just gonna go through a ton. I'm really, it's been yeah, really my awful. plan today is that exactly. Yeah, that. I'm on my in. own. I shoot on Monday and I move on Wednesday, but until then, I'm like all in. I've basically done enough. I've prepped everything, so it's like I'm just watching movies. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly what I want to do today. I'm just gonna cook some pasta for myself, <laughs> and I'm just gonna watch. Well, dude, enjoy it. You've worked hard. I appreciate you, and uh, I appreciate your time. And congrats on Sunday. And I'm gonna I'm gonna upload this right away so that people can see it. And thank you. It's yeah. been a massive pleasure. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cool. Bye, right. Enjoy the weekend. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.